0: Jesus says to us today, take care to guard against all greed. Now, when you think of greed, what do you think of? Maybe some kind of, uh, you know, Wall Street, you know, hedge fund financier. Uh, Maybe you have an image, maybe that old movie Wall Street, when uh, uh, Michael Douglas played Gordon Gekko. He makes this speech, he says, greed is good. You know, and of course, he's very dishonest, and he's, insider trading, and he he's just wants to make more and more money, even though it involves destroying people's jobs and, and livelihoods. So that's what we think of when we think of greed. But um, uh, the, you know, the, the, the comment or the, or the request that gives occasion to Jesus's statement is not that kind of situation. What happened? Jesus is teaching. One of the listeners says asks him to do him a favor. Make my brother give me my share of the inheritance or what I think is, is due for me or coming to me. So, so this is kind of an ordinary situation. So greed is not something that only afflicts, you know, a certain class of people. It's, it's a temptation, one of the capital sins that all of us face. The biblical definition of greed is, is an insatiable desire to have more money in things disregarding higher goods. The sensational desire to have more money and things disregarding higher goods. And so this is what gives us a sense of why Jesus reacted so strongly to this man's request. Now I'll tell you as a priest, I have counseled many people who are in in very bitter feuds with their siblings over their inheritance. Maybe maybe one of the adult children is the one that spends more time taking care of the aged parent and, and feels that they have a right to more of the estate. Um, um, all, there's all kinds. Maybe one of them is just in more need and feels like, well, they need the money more than the other sibling. And, and so everyone has their own perspectives on what's fair and what's right for this. And, but but w- why does Jesus respond this way to this man? Well, um, maybe he has a legitimate concern, right? But he's there sitting, listening to Jesus talk about the kingdom of God, and all he can think about is getting money from his parents' estates. Do you see how it's out of place there? Do you see how this is something, this insatiable desire for money and goods has disregarded higher goods? Right? So this is why what the man does is an example of greed. Um, in the second reading, interestingly, Paul, he talks about all the things, all the earthly Desires that we need to put to death so that we can truly rise with Christ. And he mentions greed, and he actually says greed, which is idolatry. Now, what's idolatry is worshipping something other than God. But oftentimes, greed, the sensational desire for money and goods, itself becomes a kind of idolatry. Think about someone who wants so much, let's say money and success, that they work so hard... That they neglect their spouse and their children. And and the other more important things in life. Think about someone who accumulates so much money, uh, so many assets, and isn't giving to the poor, isn't sharing with them, isn't giving them really what God wants them to have. Think about how oftentimes greed can lead to to lying, to rationalizing things like lying and stealing, and cheating, and even killing. And so Jesus tells the story of a man who has, had, he has a very fertile land, and so he's, he has this, this bumper crop, and he just wants to build more and more storage for, for his crops. This is the version of assets in Jesus' day, right? He wants, to, he wants his, to really pad his 401k, right? Um, uh, his retirement account. And, um, but what happens to him? He dies, he dies that night, right? And so the Jesus is echoing the wisdom tradition here, right? Vanity of vanities. You're working hard, you can't even, your mind is so busy thinking about your business and, and, and making money that you can't even go to bed at night, right? And all of it when you die, you don't take it with you. That's, that's basically the wisdom of, 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 the, of the first reading. And indeed, greed blinds us to eternal truths. One eternal truth is that we are just passing through this world, that our true home is in heaven. Another eternal truth is that people are more important than things. Uh, Another uh, truth is that accumulating more and more stuff will not really make us happier. In fact, once you have your basic needs covered in a little more than that, you don't really show that you're much happier with more things. Have you ever thought about this? Why is it that the suicide rate in rich countries is much, much higher than the suicide rate in poor countries? Have you thought about that? Hmm. Jesus contrasts being rich in the things of this world with being rich in what matters to God. Do we ever even reflect on that? Am I rich in the things that matter to God? Do I consider that question with the same frequency and intensity that I give to my career and my investment portfolios? Oftentimes, I'm hearing confessions and someone will confess the sin of envy. They wish they had this house that they, their friend has or, 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 or the job that their friend has, the money their friend has. And I, I say, don't you realize how rich you are because of your faith? And your relationship in Jesus? that's worth so much more than this house that you're coveting now of course it doesn't mean that we shouldn't work and make money and save but we need to have what's called detachment from money and things a spirit of detachment and what does that mean? well I'm going to give you an example of this in the life of a saint one of my favorite saints, Thomas More, he was a lawyer right? I used to joke he was proof that at least one lawyer made it to heaven Okay, so He lived in the 16th century England. He was a lawyer first, then a judge, and then he actually became Chancellor of England, which was a very high rank. Now, Thomas More owned a lot. He had estates, lands, and servants. But he also made sure to take care of all those in his household well, that they were well compensated, and also he was very generous with the poor. There was a famine in 1582. And for many months, he he and his household fed at least a hundred people a day from their home. Thomas More didn't use his wealth selfishly or frivolously. He rather used it for the purpose of helping those around him. And he died completely broke. And you may know why he died broke. Because when Henry VIII wanted to break away from the Catholic Church, because he wanted to to marry his mistress, um, Thomas More wouldn't go along with it. and So Thomas More was imprisoned first. Again, his lands were confiscated. Um, he was impoverished and ultimately he died. He was executed. So there was an incident that happened once in his life where they had had a very good, uh, very good harvest that year and their barns were full. and. Neighboring a neighbor, a neighbor in the neighbor's property, they, someone there negligently started a fire, which ended up burning all of Moore's barns. This was a huge loss. This is a massive, massive financial loss. What would your reaction be? What would my reaction be, right? Well, let me get a lawyer first to sue that person who started this fire, right? That probably would be one thing. Um, we probably would be lamenting the loss, worrying about how we we're going to make up for it. So Moore is working for the king at this time. His estate was not right, not right next to where he worked. So he wrote a letter to his wife, Lady Alice, and this is what he wrote. He says, I, I ask you to be of good cheer. Take all the household with you to church and there thank God, both for what he has given us and for what he has taken from us and for what he has left us. Which if it pleases him, he can increase when he will. And if it pleases him to leave us yet less, so be his pleasure. This is the perfect example of detachment from material things. He completely trusts in the providence of God. He's even willing to thank God for the loss. Because, because he knows with St. Paul that for those who love God, all things work for the good. There may be some good, good character development that needs to happen through loss. Hmm? He also made a point. He says, he asked her, if if this loss caused us to have to sell some of our lands, which means to basically downsize, to have less workers, he asked his wife to make sure that any worker that had to leave was given proper provision or help finding another place to work. Thomas More was a man who was rich in the things that matter to God, no matter how much he owned. When we face God, After we die, he's not going to ask us how much money we made or what we owned. He might ask, did you seek to know and love me with all your heart? Did you share the gospel with others? Did you show mercy to those in need? If we could say yes to these, then we are rich in the things that matter to God. That is the only wealth that lasts forever.